This Rabbi Yaakov Wolby podcast is sponsored by Fabuloso Household Care Rabbi Cleaner. Pastor, Fill I your home with joy. No ads on my podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Tyson's Face Tats. No Have ads. you ever wanted to look like... No sponsorships. Average Rabbi, please. Bill and Anthony's Daily Multivax. Order your six-month supply Rabbi with Pastor. promo code TORCH for 10% Average off. Average Rabbi. No ads. No sponsorships. No promo codes. But this is how we make money. This is not how we make money. This is not how we make money. I, I will not subject... My podcast listeners, the listeners that I love, the listeners that want to come hear Torah and hear words of wisdom and learn about their heritage and learn about Jewish history and learn about Jewish values and connect themselves with the Almighty and connect themselves with His Torah and deepen their bond with their soul. I'm not going to have readouts. Rabbi Basco, my dear colleague, I'm not going to do it. Rabbi, well, we, we have bills to pay. <sighs> so what's the other option? Is there anything else we could do? We need help. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we, maybe we do something else. You see, most podcasts, they have to pay their bills and they have ads and they have readouts and they have promo codes and they have Dollar Shave Club and Geico and mattresses. I don't want to sell you mattresses. I want to give you what you come for. I want to give you Torah. I want to give you wisdom from the Almighty. I want to give you a connection with our glorious religion and glorious heritage. But we need to pay our bills. So what we do is that we don't do any ads. No ads. No, no matter how much the average rabbi, my colleague, Rabbi Busco, insists on doing the ads, insists on doing these promo codes, none of that. We do an annual fundraiser, and that's happening right now. And the website for that is givetorch.org. Give, the word give, to give. Give your heart. Give your soul. Give a little boost, a little bit of love to Torch. GiveTorch.org. It's happening right now. Every donation is doubled. This is our only annual fundraiser. We do this once a year. Until next year, you're not going to hear about this. It's happening now. If, you, if you're hearing this right now, you should know that it's still active. Every donation is doubled. And yes, Robert Busco, he's insistent. He's insistent. Are you insistent? Well, if there's a better a solution. Bit. <laughs> I do like the multivax. Yeah, okay. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll make a little exception for that. But no ads. That, that's the plan. We've done now podcasts since 2012. 12 years. And we're committed to this. We're committed to connecting Jews and Judaism locally in Houston and globally throughout our podcast and the many other digital offerings that we have here at Torch. We do one fundraiser a year and we want your support. Visit givetorch.org right now. Press pause. On the podcast, press pause. Stop the podcast. GiveTorch.org. Make a donation. And then, you know, for the rest of the year, you are partnering with us. We're not going to bombard you with ads. We're not going to bombard you with fundraising emails every day, every week, every month. Once a year, we try to get everyone to give, everyone to contribute. If you appreciate our work, if you enjoy our work, if you want to support our work, if you want to support the great rabbis here at the Torch Center, Rabbi Buster, the average rabbi, and everyone else that's over here and all the incredible work that we do here from the Torch Center Houston, Texas, visit givetorch.org right now and make a donation. Show us some love. We're not gonna, we're not gonna drive you crazy. Make the donation. Of course, my email address is rabbiwobajima.com and that website again, givetorch.org. We're up to mitzvah number 142. And today we're going to do 142, 143, 382, and 486. We'll also touch on mitzvah number eight that 
uh, we actually mentioned in the past. And these have to do with sacrificial leftovers. So we're talking all about different types of sacrifices. And we mentioned last time that every sacrifice has its distinct protocol. And there's a separate mitzvah to make sure that the sacrifices are processed in accordance with the designated, dedicated protocol of that particular sacrifice. And there's so many different types of sacrifice, and each one has its own specific set of laws that must be followed. The mitzvah that we're going to cover today, or the series of mitzvahs that we're going to cover today, deal with with sacrifices that are eaten, either by the Kohen or by the owner. And in each sacrifice that there is a requirement of consumption of said sacrifice, there's a time frame in which those sacrifices, the sacrifices that must be eaten, they must be eaten by. So suppose you're bringing a sacrifice and you're going to consume the meat. You don't have an indefinite window of time in which you can eat that sacrifice. You have to eat it by a certain deadline. And there are a series of prohibitions against having sacrificial leftovers, meaning if you don't finish it, you don't consume it all within the time frame. So we already saw Mitzvah number eight many moons ago about the pastoral offering, the carbon Pesach. There is a prohibition to allow any of the meat from the pastoral offering to remain uneaten come morning. Today we're going to look at some other mitzvahs. So 142, that is with respect to the Toda offering, the Thanksgiving offering. You have to eat it within the time frame. We have mitzvah number 382. That's the Pesach Sheni offering, meaning if someone misses the first pastoral offering, they have a makeup date, a rain date, a month later. And just as it is prohibited to have any leftovers from the pastoral offering, from the makeup date pastoral offering, there is a second prohibition against having any leftovers. And then mitzvah number 486 is the same with respect to the Chagiga offering, which is a special offering that comes along with the pastoral offering to not allow any of it to be left over past the time frame in which the food, which the sacrificial food is supposed to be eaten. And then we have missed the number 143, which is what to do about it post facto. So suppose someone did have a sacrifice and they were supposed to eat it within a given time frame and they just didn't do it. Now you have meat, sacrificial meat, holy meat, that was not consumed in the correct time frame. And it can no longer be consumed and it must, in fact, be burned. And the positive mitzvah to burn leftover sacrificial meat, that is mitzvah number 143. Again, these mitzvahs, they all don't apply today because we don't have, as of right now, we don't have a temple and therefore we don't have sacrifices, but these are still part of the Torah and we hope and we pray that we will be meritorious to witness the day when these mitzvahs are all applicable. Okay, so that's the overview of the mitzvahs. Let's get into some of the details. So we have mitzvah number 142. That's when there is a carbon toda, a thanksgiving offering. Under certain circumstances, a person is obligated to bring a thanksgiving offering. When God does a great favor for you, when he bestows tremendous kindness upon you, you must bring a thanksgiving offering and you're allowed to eat it within a certain time frame. 
The verse tells us in Leviticus chapter 7, Lo yaniach menu ad boker, you cannot allow it to be uneaten until the morning. And that's why you have to eat it that night. And in fact, the sages warned that you should eat it before midnight, even though you're allowed to eat it until the morning. You don't want to get too close to the deadline. And therefore, you want to distance yourself from the deadline and thus from sin. And therefore, they encouraged us in the event someone brings a carbon toad, a Thanksgiving offering, to consume it before midnight. Now, although this verse it's really only talking about a carbon todei Thanksgiving offering. The Talmud notes that there's some extra or seemingly extra redundant words. The verse says ubasar, which means, and the meat, zevach, of the sacrifice, toda, of the toda, shlamav, of the shlamim. So you have four words that seem to be a bit extraneous, and the Talmud tells us that this teaches us that this applies not only to a carbon toda, to a Thanksgiving offering, but all sacrifices that have a time frame, it is prohibited to allow it to linger past the time frame. It must be consumed beforehand. But if it is not consumed beforehand, it must be burned. That's Mitzvah number 142. And then we have 382, that's the Pesach Sheni, the makeup date for the Karpan Pesach. Again, you have a day to eat it. If you don't finish it in time, you must burn it. And finally, Mitzvah number 486, that's the Chadiga sacrifice. So when someone has a Karpan Pesach, pastel offering, that's not all the meat that they have for their Passover Seder in the temple or in Jerusalem, really. Because you may have like a thousand people that they're all partners in one pastel offering. So everyone gets, you know, a small amount, an olives volume of the sacrificial meat. But you want to have a robust Passover celebration. You want a bit more meat, so they actually have a supplemental sacrifice known as a Carbon Chadida as a Chadida sacrifice, and that accompanies the pastoral offering, and that too, there is a prohibition to allow it to linger past its designated time. Now, there are many different sacrifices that are being referenced over here, and each one of them, there is the prohibition against going past the time frame. And the commentaries offer us a variety of reasons, of rationales, Basically, for every one of the sacrifices, there's a distinct reason why it must be eaten within the given time frame. So the Sefer Chinuch, which is the book that we are using to navigate through the 613 mitzvos, he tells us that this Chadida sacrifice, which accompanies the pastel offering, what's the purpose of it? What's the reason why we have the sacrifice? Well, it's to have... A good time to have a celebratory banquet in honor of the festival. And he adds that Pesach, the pastel, the day that we bring the pastel offering, that's like the founding event of our religion. And it reinforces the major tenets of our belief. And when you have a big celebration... 
then you really take the lessons of that day to heart. You know, it's not just something you do, not some bots that you check. It's a real celebration. And if you just had a little meager amount of meat, it wouldn't quite make as big of an impact. And therefore, you're supposed to have a really lavish banquet, a lavish feast. And for this reason, it's important to eat it all that night, because that will ensure that everyone has a lot, a lot of meat, and therefore the messages of Passover will be reinforced in the participate, the people who are participating in this banquet. This, of course, is it's really great for those of us who believe in the carnivore diet. We have mitzvah number 143, which tells us what to do with the leftovers. So sacrificial meat that was not consumed within the allotted time frame, it must be burned. Now, just to cover all bases here, all the details here, this applies not only to leftover sacrificial meat, but also to pigle, which is a Hebrew term, pigle, sacrificial meat, which refers to sacrifices that were done, that were either slaughtered or processed in some way with flawed intentions. Meaning, the person slaughters it or processes the sacrifice with a flawed intention, with the intention of doing something which is going to corrupt, which is going to violate the protocol of the sacrifice. Even if the person doesn't actually violate the protocol of the sacrifice, but they intended to violate it at some point in the processing timeline of that sacrifice, that sacrifice is now disqualified. It's known as pigle. I guess it's, you would spell it P-I-G-G-U-L, pigle. I don't know if there's really a, an English word for it. And that also must be burned. It is now a disqualified sacrifice. And like the leftover, the nose of the leftover sacrificial meat, this too is burned. Now, the Sefer Chinuch, Mitzvah number 143, he gives us another rationale why it would be important to eat sacrifices within a specific time frame and not to allow them, the meat, to stick around. He says something very interesting. He says... If you have meat, it has a certain shelf life. You keep it around, it's maybe super fresh right now, you keep it around, it will spoil. It will begin to rot. And eventually it will become rancid. Sacrifices. This is something that is supposed to have prestige. It's supposed to edify us. It's supposed to elevate us. It's supposed to deepen our bond with our creator. It's supposed to deepen our bond with our soul. You don't want to have meat that begins to rot and stink and become rancid and putrid. And that will be the sacrificial meat. That will do great harm to the perception of the sacrifice. And therefore, in order to augment, to amplify the prestige of the sacrifice, we are commanded to consume it, preferably when it's still fresh. And in the event that it is now past its due date, it's past the allotted time in which it may be consumed, it must be eliminated. 
You cannot have any meat that anyone could point and say, that is sacrificial meat, and now it's spoiled. How are you going to eliminate it? You may think, well, I'll dismember it and I'll throw it into the sea, but no, that's not full elimination of that meat. The way to completely get rid of it is make a massive fire and destroy it completely to remove any trace of that sacrifice so no one can ever point at a spoiled piece of meat and say this is a sacrifice brought in God's house in this world. And then he adds another amazing insight. You know, we live in a time of unprecedented abundance. It's really the first time in history, you know, the last couple of decades really, that there has been sufficient food for the world's population. That's a, that's a new phenomenon. And of course, we don't always have the historical perspective to appreciate that. You know, if we lived 200 years ago, our chief concern would be, how do we have enough food to feed ourselves and our families? You go back in times of yore, historically, the idea of taking perfectly good meat, it's a day old, okay? And burning it and destroying all that valuable protein, all those valuable calories, that's a very difficult and painful decision. And we're told, you have sacrificial meat, you're allowed to eat it. Again, this is not the type of sacrifice that must be burned entirely. It's sacrificial meat that you're allowed and you're required to eat it. And for whatever reason, you don't eat it, you don't consume it entirely in time. So you're going to take a perfectly good hunk of meat and burn it. And that's painful. But there's a lesson in this, says the Sefer HaChinuch. A true believer is someone that understands and lives by the principle that the Almighty is going to take care of them. The Almighty will provide for you. And there really is no need to be a prepper, to be a survivalist, to stockpile food, to have enough food for the apocalypse, and of course enough ammunition after all we're in Texas here, right? And enough diesel fuel and contact lenses. There really isn't a need for that. Because after all, we're supposed to rely on God. And this is part of the lessons of this series of mitzvahs. You have sacrificial meat and it's delightful and it's sumptuous and you're supposed to eat it. And you're supposed to have a lot of it. And you're supposed to celebrate. And if you don't finish it in time, it's a violation. And what you must do is burn the leftovers. And that will reinforce the notion that really you can rely on God. And it may seem to be a terribly short-sighted decision to get rid of valuable food. But don't worry. The Almighty has your back. Now, I want to share with you a few more ideas that I saw behind, or or rationales 
behind this idea, this, this series of mitzvos, barring us from keeping sacrificial leftovers. And again, we have to always remind ourselves that these are not the real reasons for the mitzvahs. The reason why we do any mitzvah is because the Almighty said so, period, end of story. But it is valuable and helpful for us to try to glean some lessons for, for us. It's certainly in mitzvahs that we cannot fulfill today. And to see some dimensions of how, in fact, the mitzvahs, they, they all made sense and they all resonate even to us and our relatively puny brains and intellects. So I saw one of the commentaries, he says, with respect to a toda offering, a thanksgiving offering, what would be a reason, another reason why it's important to eat it before a specific deadline? Well, suppose you bring a very large animal and it's a sacrifice and you have a day to eat it. Even if you're eating like a, like the Nathan's hot dog contestants, you can't finish it all in time, right? It's just simply too much meat for one person. So what are you going to do? You're going to make a party. And you're going to invite all your friends. Come. And let me tell you why I'm making this party. I want to thank God for the tremendous benevolence that he bestowed upon me. And thereby, because you have a deadline, that's going to force you, it's going to compel you to share your story. You'll have have to have a larger party. And thus, the miracle that the Almighty gave you will be proliferated will be publicized on a grander scale. And therefore, you have a deadline, and all must be consumed before that time, and now a lot of people know about this miracle. Now, I saw another idea. This is courtesy of the Baal Haturim. When the verse tells us, this is Leviticus, not, not chapter 7, but the same concept appears in chapter 22, verse 30. He notes that there is a juxtaposition of two verses that don't seem to be related at all. One verse is talking about sacrifices, not to have any leftovers. And the very next verse, it's encouraging us to guard and observe the Almighty's mitzvahs. Says the Balaturim, there's a very valuable reason why these two are connected. Just as we're told specifically with respect to sacrifices, to not allow them to linger, to consume them promptly, that same philosophy we ought to apply to all the mitzvahs. If you have a mitzvah opportunity, don't punt it the next day. Don't kick the can down the road. I'll get to it eventually. Always do it promptly because just as sacrifices have a shelf life, everything has a shelf life. And if you're inspired to do a mitzvah and you fail to act, there's a very decent chance that you will actually lose the opportunity. And therefore, it's imperative to do it right away. Right away, you have an opportunity to do a mitzvah, 
and you're inclined to do it, you have to realize that this is the peak inspiration you'll have. Thenceforth, or henceforth, it's going to begin to dissipate. And if you don't jump on the opportunity, you may lose it. And the next day, you'll be like, I'm not as inspired anymore. Maybe I'll still do it. But that is that is the secret of the Eight Sahara. When someone is inspired, ah, maybe we'll, we'll get to it. I'll put it on my to-do list. Okay, once on the to-do list, very good chance it'll never get done. I once recorded a podcast where I suggested that really this is everything. If you just follow this principle, you can live a very, very good righteous life. And that is, there's certain things that you do right away and certain things you're lazy about. And the, the Yetzirah, all the Yetzirah wants of us is to do the sins right away. But the man's supposed to be a bit lazy about. And if we just flip that around and say, you know what, the sins, we'll get it. Let's put on my to-do list. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll have the same opportunity tomorrow after all. So the sins, let's just push it to tomorrow. And just as my inspiration for a mitzvah will dissipate over time, so too will my inspiration for a sin. And if all I just did is say, you know what, all the sins, everything Israel wants me to do, I'll do, I'll get to it eventually. Let me put it on my to-do list. I'll put it on my calendar even. Tomorrow. Tomorrow hearken to the Yetzirah. Today I'll just do the mitzvahs. If all a person does is just flip the areas in which they are encouraged by the Yetzirah to be prompt. Flip that from sins to mitzvahs. And then the areas where the Yetzirah encourages us to be lazy. Flip that from mitzvahs to sins. That is like a sure path to transcendental righteousness and greatness. It's okay to be lazy if we just are more targeted in the areas in which we are lazy. And here we're told, like a sacrifice, it's a mitzvah. And the very next verse we're told, well, all mitzvahs in general must be observed. Just as we must consume the sacrifices promptly, you have an opportunity to do a mitzvah, do it Promptly, don't wait. Wait for the sins. Sure, that 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 is okay to wait. Don't tell the answer, I'm not going to do it. Of course, I'm going to yield. I'm going to capitulate. I'm going to succumb, Yetzahara, to what you want of me. I'll just do it later. I'm going to get around to it. Sure, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. Five minutes. Let's well, revisit this. Let's revisit this. Let's, let's circle back to it. Next week, you do that, it's a sure way to achieve greatness. So there you have it. Mitzvah number 142 and 143 and 382 and 486. These are talking about sacrifices. And again, we have never participated in any form of offering a sacrifice in the temple because the temple has not been around for, you know, 1900 and what, 54 years or so, 53, 54 that's a long time. But we hope that we're at the end of the line. And there are many indications that we're close to the finish line. And as I mentioned last time from the Chavetz Chaim, sacrifices begin right away. So Mashiach comes today, tomorrow. There are sacrifices today, tomorrow. That's it. 
So this may not be this, – this will go from being completely theoretical and foreign to very practical overnight. And we hope that we can witness these mitzvahs, these, mitzvahs, these sacrifices, and maybe even bring some ourselves and experience the, the transformational benefit that is included in these mitzvahs. May we all witness that day. Of course, my email address is rabbiwallbeachman.com. Send me your questions, your comments, and your feedback.